Hi, I'm Lisa. Welcome to Pillontology, the pod about the wild and wonderful world of prescription pill medication. Every epi, I'll feature a pill and talk to a friend, or maybe not a friend, about their experience on that pill. Also a disclaimer, I'm not a doctor or a pharmacist, although sometimes I like to pretend that I am. Hope you enjoy. We're here with JJ, and today we're going to talk about Zoloft, again, Zoloft 100 milligrams, and also Xanax, a.k.a. Alprazolam, the most commonly prescribed benzo in the U.S., and probably everywhere else. Um, So, JJ, when did you first start taking antidepressants in general? In general, hmm, I first started taking antidepressants in college. And what was the catalyst for that? The catalyst was a bad breakup, which I know has been a theme on on past paleontology episodes. But initially, the first antidepressant I was ever on was Pristique, which I think for me didn't do much. Oh, Pristique had the really cool commercial with the wind-up doll. It was like, do you always feel sluggish? And then a doll perking up and being like, I'm good. <laughs> and yeah, that's cool. I haven't heard of anybody being on Pristique. Did it work? No, I don't think it was strong enough for me. Okay. I think it was um, like the placebo effect at the time. But most recently, I'm on Sertraline. So it was a bad breakup that got you on Pristique in college, and then did you stay on Pristique for a while, or? Yeah, I was on and off of it for a while in my early 20s. It was more hard time finding a job I liked, more bad breakups, and just like coming to terms with being an adult and not... I've always been a super perfectionist, and so, like, I, I felt like prior to, are we, we both graduated early, but prior to, like, 21 years old, if, if I worked hard, I got what I wanted, mm-hmm. which I recognize is a very privileged perspective of life, um, and then once I became a true adult, not a fun for myself, I was no, it, it no longer mattered how hard I tried, mm-hmm. like, so much of it is luck. And who you know, and yeah, so it was hard for me to grapple with. Um, What I put in was not necessarily what I was going to get out. But in college, did you ever have the sense that you could cope without the drug? Like, you had a bad breakup, and then did you go off of it for a period of time? Um, I did, yeah. Like, I was better... I moved to D.C. after college, and I had a job I liked. I was dating someone who I thought I liked at the time. (laughs) So I guess I'm asking you, were you ever off the drug after the initial catalyst of getting on Pristique? Yes. Yes. You were. Mm -hmm. And that was when? That was 
I was probably around 23. Yeah. So after, after college. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then, so you were off Prestique, and then when did you go back to a psychiatrist uh, asking for an antidepressant, or when did you recognize you needed help again? When I was 24. So, so you're, a, year a year later. <laughs> what happened at 24? Um, well, I was dating that terror boyfriend who you've... I remember the terror boyfriend. (laughs) You were also living in a dank, dark basement. With a Murphy bed. With a Murphy bed that was like 200 square feet. Indeed, yes. It was a very small space, and he voluntold me to um, remove all of my books, a lot of my clothes, because they didn't fit. Yeah, it was not, it was not healthy. He was telling you how to live yo life in the 200 square feet. Yeah, that was, I remember that. That was not a recipe for happiness without Pristique. Or whichever antidepressant you decided to go on. Which one was it? I went, I went back to Pristique at the time because I, I think, I don't recall precisely, but I think the doctor who I was seeing... It felt like the safer option, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I don't think it was until I was older that I knew I should try something different. So, did you go to therapy at the same time, or you were just like, okay, I'm not feeling great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know an antidepressant has helped me in the past, and... I'm going to talk about my feelings to somebody, or it was just like, I feel really bad, I need a drug. I was talking to someone, I mean, I had a therapist at the same time. They wouldn't, so it's interesting, back then, I feel like the doctor would not prescribe the drug without therapy in in conjunction, Um, but now, like, most recently, going on what I'm on now... The doctor Zoloft. was fine right was fine writing it. Since when have you been on Zoloft? Since mm, December. You yeah. hadn't been on it before? No. Oh, okay. No, I haven't. So do you remember how the Zoloft made you feel initially? Um Yeah, I think from I think from the beginning, yeah, I, I always know I'm depressed when I don't, when it's r- really hard for me to get out of bed in the morning and I, d- I don't feel motivated mm-hmm. to, right, especially with coronavirus, everything's heightened, so it's like, you used to not be motivated to get dressed, now you're especially not because no one sees you, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Coronavirus can breed depression, like, you, all of my behaviors look like a depressed person, and maybe I'm depressed. Like, not showering. <laughs> Literally wearing the same clothes every day. But, you know, I don't think I'm depressed in the same way a depressed person is. So it's hard to know the difference because, yeah. Right, because we're all living through this unprecedented time. Right. And grappling with our own shit. Yeah. So... The way you understood yourself to be depressed was a lack of motivation. And, yeah, so what happened 
what was the catalyst for you to go see a psychiatrist and get Zoloft? Mm-hmm. Well, I went through a really, really, really hard time. I just, I just got married last summer, and then literally a few months later, I realized um, something that I had been suppressing my entire life, unbeknownst to me, that I'm attracted to women. Um, so it was an identity crisis. It was, you know, finding a way within my marriage um, to explore that part of me, and that was really that was really really painful and really traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, the hardest thing I've ever been through. Understandably sure. so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, how did you? come to terms with the fact that yeah maybe you are attracted to women and that is an aspect of your personality like did somebody some a specific therapist help you through that yeah I was seeing a great therapist at the time and um I think it's I mean partially what she explained to me why I felt because like I love I love my husband and we're still together um is that it's easy right if it's this new I mean, it's a new body, right? And so what I was going through is what adolescents go through, like, you know, the first time like they're aroused or have sex. Like, it was this whole... I was emotionally hijacked, mm. like, 110%. Um, and I'm also a very heart-driven person, um, so it's hard. it's hard for me to step back and process. I didn't know what to do. I, like, I knew I needed to figure out this part of me. It's like, I don't know, this has never happened to me, but I feel like this is probably the best analogy to describe. It felt like my entire life I thought my parents were my biological parents. Mm-hmm. And then one day I discover that I'm adopted. Like I felt like I had to go find who I am because I felt like I had been lied to my entire life and I didn't know... I didn't know how to do that in a heterosexual marriage with someone I deeply care about without hurting him. Mm-hmm. Like it. So, yeah, it was the hardest decision of my life. The most painful day of my life was moving out, and yeah, it was a hard, it was a hard pill to swallow. So since then, you are back in your marriage, and what do you think inspired you to come back around? Well, a lot of things. Um, one thing, so again, I mentioned, like, emotionally hijacked. It's this new sexual experience, and it's like, yes, like, you know, sex is sex, and orgasm is an orgasm, but there are very different qualities to having sex with a woman versus a man. Like, you know, it's a different body, it's a different, it's a very different experience. Um, and so, like, once I had been living, and I had a girlfriend, once I had been living in the, the lesbian world for some time, and coronavirus happened, and we were, you know, like, on with each other much more, became a little less novel, a little less exciting. Like, I, I kind of, I don't want to say swung the other way, but, like, kind of arrived somewhere in the middle. Um, so, yeah, was that your question, how I got back with... Yeah, how you yeah. were, like you know what, maybe I do have these urges, but, like, I still desire a life with my husband Mm -hmm. in a heterosexual relationship. Right, no, exactly. And then I, yeah, you get more clarity 
about yeah, there's so there's obviously so much more to a relationship than sex. Like, yeah, sex is very important. It's one of my expert therapist toys. <laughs> he is currently seeking advice from four therapists, but you know, she's she's shopping around, which is what they advise for you to do. Um, one of my therapists said that there's five there's five different components that we seek in a partner. Like we desire these five pieces. One is sexual, the second is intellectual, the third is social, the fourth is financial, and the fifth is emotional. Mm-hmm. And so like when you use that that framework, you know, like my husband checks all the boxes. It wasn't just like the sexuality and the sex, it was a whole identity crisis because mm-hmm. I went from, oh my, like, am I, am I LGBTQ? Like, am I marginalized? I've always been. You're a big Q girl. Yeah. Yeah, or B, who knows? But <laughs> like we were talking about earlier, like labels are, labels are labels. And like at the end of the day, we're all just people and we all feel and we all hurt, you know? Um, and we all have varying degrees of sexuality that can be expressed in different situations like I always say I would have a nice butch girlfriend in jail it's just the way things would go yeah no exactly and recognizing I'm talking with with one of my (laughs) uh one of my four therapists now about how it's really scary to be bisexual so when I left him when we separated, I wanted to be like, I'm gay, because otherwise I felt like a horrible person to be like, I'm, I'm bi, but I need to leave with you to exclusively sleep with women for a while and figure this out, mm-hmm. right? It's hard to say that without feeling selfish, you know, or like my need for whatever superfluous thing is more important than the commitment I made to you. Um, so it's... It's hard. It's complicated. It's very gray. There's it, a lot of ambiguity. There's a lot of gray in this world. Hey, DBT, Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, shout out. I wanted to ask, I want to bring it back to pills, as I always do. You said you had a lack of motivation. You weren't feeling enthused by life. Uh, did you notice right away as the Zoloft was prescribed to you, like, within a day, mm. a week, how long did you, did it take for you to have energy? Mm. Probably somewhere between a day and a week, if I'm remembering correctly. But yeah, no, it just makes it easier to power through the day and just like, yeah, just more driven, more motivated, more energized. Like you, I doubt myself less. Um, Does it feel authentic to who you are? No. <laughs> interesting but I'm okay with that because I need it like it's helpful yeah like I know I know I'm sad and I still I still have room to feel those feelings and I still am sad it's not like they're they're not mutually exclusive necessarily right um do you have any side effects no none that you notice no you're also somebody I know who doesn't get a lot of physical side effects you're not like Mm-mm. no I never have and like being on birth control forever I've never had side effects from drugs that I can speak to what about the Xanax what do you take that for for yeah it's always been hard for me to fall asleep but especially 
I mean, I'm better now, but I was not in a good place in January when I, when we first separated. No, just to calm, just to calm my mind otherwise, right? Because when I moved out in January, I was constantly running because I didn't want to have mm. to face anything. And when you're lying in bed trying to fall asleep, you're, you have to... You're, you're alone with your thoughts. You're alone with yourself. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to process it. So Xanax helps you fall asleep. It does. Love Xanax for sleep. Me too. Big I'm going to do a big shout out to Xanax. Um, do you ever worry about having to get off of these pills? I'm, I was, I was addicted to Xanax in my uh, early 20s and that wasn't good. So I've been good now about really only taking it when like my mind's racing and I can't, I can't quiet it and I feel super, super anxious. Um, so no, I think I'm okay. Yeah. What techniques do you use outside of pills to help quiet your mind? Um, well, one of my therapists, <laughs> the, um, Gopi, big shout out. Shout out Dr. Gopi is, no, doing a lot of, like, breathing, and I'm, I'm trying to meditate. It's really hard for me. It's hard for everyone. Um, and so I'm trying to take, I have a list of all of my self-loathing negative thoughts, um, so to try to, like, meditate on the opposite of that mm -hmm. is what I was advised. So I just started those sessions, but I haven't. I want to invest more time in that, but I haven't yet. But I'm, I'm willing, I'm willing to try whatever. You also did improv. I did, and now everything's canceled. It is, but do you think that improv... Thanks, has improv helped you be more flexible with coping strategies? No. no. Um, <laughs> I think it's good. I don't know if it's good. For, I don't think it's helped me with coping strategies. I think it's helped me. Like, I'm a very, like, I'm an anxious person. I also just naturally, I have a lot of energy. And, like, I need to, and I'm very, I feel things very deeply and like it's a good way for me to channel a lot of energy I have and it's also just really refreshing to be like I'm having a shit day and I hate all the shit I'm sitting in so I'm gonna stand up here and be like you know Miss Frizzle from Magic School Bus mm -hmm. for like five minutes and it's gonna feel amazing right so I don't think it's necessarily running away it's one of the what was it I read once one of the secrets to happiness like people like I've waited tables at restaurants for a while and I know you have too is like when you are like totally immersed in a single activity and you don't have the headspace to think about anything else that really really helps oh, your I mental health. I always talk about this. I, yeah. For me I remember people at my primary job would be like how can you work a day and then go and do comment and I would be like Adderall but also I would be like it's truly like my flow state. I'm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like 100% immersed in what I'm doing yeah. and like I don't think about anything else and it's refreshing it's refreshing yeah and it's hard yeah it's a good it's a good feeling because also I feel like like I have a 
love my job, but I have, like, a, you know, I'm at my computer sending emails and such, and, like, it's very easy to be distracted, especially now that everyone's remote. Like, there's always, you know, like, I, I feel like when we were in offices and in in-person meetings, like, I was really good about putting my phone away from the day, but now I'm, like, constantly seeking... I don't know, I think it's hard when you don't have that in-person validation. Like, hi, you're a human. I see you. Yeah. I know your name. Hello. We can make eye contact. Um, yeah. Yeah, it feels very alienating to be stimulated by, like, Twitter and Instagram. It's, mm-hmm. like, breeds depression. Yeah, and I've been, I've been off... Um, Facebook and Instagram for over a year now and it's crazy I still miss it it's like a tick like I still really yeah I mean because they have like our psychology cracked yeah like I still miss I still miss that like heart on Instagram or that like instant boost of endorphins but I think overall I am happier because I am I mean most of us are but like I'm very I feel like I, I, I found myself feeling less. I don't know. It depends. If, if you're good at being like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at this social media app for a few minutes and then put it away. That's fine. But I was constantly, it was just like muscle memory. My thumb would just go there. I can't go bad. to the bathroom without my phone. So <laughs> I know. I know what that's like. Yeah. So you are on these pills now, and do you think that since you've been on them, you've felt more stabilized or you think that it's been other aspects of your life that have helped ground you? They help, um, I think, being back with my amazing husband has helped me a lot, a lot. Shout out, amazing husband, R. (laughs) Big shout out. Um, Yeah, and, like, you truly... It's cliche, but, like, you don't realize, you don't realize what's there and, until it's gone, and, like, you don't realize this, and, like, I am, like, a strong-willed person, and I can, like, manage alone, but it's, yeah, there's so much comfort in just knowing that that person is there who loves you unconditionally, like, it's... And will take you back, despite whatever. Yeah. He's... If everyone was more like him the world would be a better place I'm convinced um it's true that's a ringing endorsement for R yeah (laughs) um yeah how was the process of getting back into his good graces or coming back to him um it was really painful um because when I left I was constantly running and I threw myself into work and this woman I was dating and I just didn't want any time to think about him because it hurt. It hurt too much and I didn't, I didn't want to process it because I knew I would fall apart if I did. So like I never, I had never really thought through anything. So when we started talking and then got back together, like it was a lot. I've never experienced so much self-hatred like how could you do this Mm -hmm. to someone like so goodwilled and like how who's never hurt you no who's never hurt you um you know like like I didn't deserve him 
Um, so that's something I'm still working through, and I will be for a while, I think. Um, so, no, but, uh, yeah, it's hard. Um, it's just really earth-shattering to lose. There's a great, do you know the singer Mary Gaucher? Mm-mm. She has a great song called That's How You Learn to Live Alone. And, like, he plays the song sometimes, and we, like, cry together, because, like, we both, like, went through that, but in very different ways. So there's a, there's a lot of feeling. It's a beautiful song. He plays it on the piano. And ironically, Mary Gaucher is lesbian. She's amazing. There's a line, you're living in the rubble until the rubble feels like home. And that was literally me in a really teeny room filled with suitcases. Because I just wanted, like, I didn't want him. I wanted to protect him. I didn't want him to have to look at pieces of me. It's mm-hmm. like putting myself in his shoes. I would imagine that would hurt a lot. So I, t- I took everything, but I didn't have room for it. Mm-hmm. So my bedroom was, like, the bed and, like, four suitcases. Like, piles of shit. Um, yeah, it was really hard. So that's why I never wanted to be there. Um, I hate to bring this back to pills, but I wanted to ask, how do you think it would have been different had you not been on anything? Really bad. It would have been terrible. I don't think I would have slept. Like, I... When I was first realizing I was attracted to women and questioning if I was bisexual or gay or I don't know, I wasn't sleeping. Like, I had very serious insomnia. Um, like, I remember I had this interview for my job one morning or, like, a, a press interview, and I literally hadn't slept at all the night before. And, it, yeah, it was, like, it was impacting me in, like, very tangible ways. So you need to sleep. Yeah, sleep is really important for everything. Uh, if you haven't heard, listen to Katie's Pillantology episode four, season one, uh, where she discusses insomnia and trazodone. Uh, have you ever taken anything besides Xanax for insomnia? Mm-mm. No. I haven't. I and mean, melatonin, but I feel like that doesn't really work. And it's been on and off since your 20s that you've been on Xanax? Yeah. Yeah. Does it ever help for non-insomnia situations? I, I've never needed it during the day because, like, I'm very, I'm a very scheduled, active person. And so, like, if I have something to do and something to think about that I, I don't feel anxious, it's the minute that... You're alone with your thoughts. Actually, shout out Regina Spector. She has a great line, yes, a song. Actually, um, from Orange is the New Black, it's the theme song. So she says, taking steps is easy, standing still is hard. That's the story of my life, is I'm trying to learn. I'm trying You've to learn time. now how to sit. Yep. The animals. <laughs> we know that song. So my last question would you recommend Zoloft? I would, strongly. For me, it, it, it worked really well. I just felt less down, generally. I, I felt more confident. And, yeah. Just, like, more of a will to do things and perform and show up, generally, I think. Is there any aspect of you that worries about long-term effects on your brain? No. No, I mean... 
There you have it, folks. Everybody loves Zoloft. I'd recommend getting a prescription. 